Welcome to Anyone Can Play Guitar, a podcast where we try to learn every single Radiohead song on guitar in order. I'm Nick Kendelsberger. And I'm Austin Diaz. So, Nick, we are back for the last OK Computer session. I can't believe we did it. This is the end, sort of. So, yeah, sort I mean, of the end. You know, and this is the end of the official canon of OK Computer. There's a lot that's behind the scenes of this album that they haven't officially released, but has come out on some of the mini disc um, leaks that happened that sort of shows you that there's way more going on behind the scenes than they will let on. What do you think that is? It's my contention. <laughs> that starting with OK Computer, they have their songs on the album that they're happy with, and then the B-sides tend to be not necessarily the best songs that were left, but the songs that they were comfortable letting go of. And if they didn't find the best way to make a song sound, then I feel like they hold on to them Mm -hmm. and don't release them. And it sort of explains why maybe some of the B-sides here aren't that impressive to me. That is kind of an understatement, but we will get into. Yes, (laughs) especially coming after the Benz, where there was a handful of those that I loved. And I I think that I loved them because they were just like, well, this song's pretty good, but, you know, let's just release it anyway. But starting at OK Computer, they're like, okay, motion picture soundtrack is good, but we're not going to release it because I think we can do it better. And so we're going to be talking about like half a dozen songs that were written during the OK Computer time Mm. and were recorded and sound pretty awesome on the leaked mini discs, but they held on to them because they thought they could make them better. And in almost every case they do, which is impressive. Almost. (laughs) Oh, okay. We'll get there. Interesting. Okay, we'll get there. I love the songs that are on the album, OK Computer, and I think they made the best choices in that regard, but we got some B-sides we got to get through today. All right, how does my theory sound to you? I think that's right. I think that maybe Tom and Johnny especially have sort of flashes of songs, like flashes of melody or chord changes that they really like and bits of lyrics that Tom seems to want to hold on to, and they want to find the proper context. I think, like, they think in big terms context, like motion picture soundtrack, the context of OK Computer was not correct for that song. Even if I like the early versions a lot. I mean, I was obsessed with that song. I remember, I remember in college, we used to play the acoustic version all the time. I love that, you know, but it's, I also recognize it's, doesn't work as an official album or an official B-side for this era. They want to find the right, not even, not just the right arrangements and mixes and way, but like context. They realize this doesn't fit in with what we're doing. And I think they were sort of burned by having to include songs like High and Dry on the bins. You know, they even did that with the bins though too. I mean, the bins is from, is one of their older songs. They've been doing this in their career. They just get more protective, more selective also. I have more to say about the B-side thing, I think, but I'll wait until we get to like... Yeah, let's wait. Let's get in. Wait to the awards. Let's just get started. Yeah. We have about five more B-sides to talk about, and then we're going to have the OK Computer Awards, 
where we have to pick our favorites. But let's just get right into it. I, I also have some awards. I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh my gosh! Okay, all right, all right. This is exciting. But let's get <laughs> let's get into it. Let's start with Lull. Unfortunately, this is w- one of my least favorite B-sides of the OK Computer B-sides. I'm not a huge fan of this one. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say that I listened to it a lot. I did play it a lot because I find it like, you know. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's fun to play. This just strikes me as an acoustic guitar song that Tom had. He's definitely working with sort of like the chord forms uh, and positions. I mean, it's fifth fret, but chord forms and positions that he did a lot of Pablo Honey songs with. You yeah. know, like the, the yep. chorus is like, and then and then he goes back. You know, that's um, anyone can play guitar. Those (laughs) just a little bit different, but not that different, right? And then like sticking with one chord voicing with the G and then just messing around with it. That's also, that's like the transition between Popular Honey and the bends. That means that I sort of like the song. Okay. It's not my favorite. It's not, it's like in the middle. Um, okay. Because, I mean, there were aspects of the Pablo Honey era that maybe I'm, I'm like nostalgic for at this point, even though it's nice to see that Tom probably had this and it's better than a lot of Pablo Honey era stuff. And then he just had to get it out of his system. I, I just find that uh, down to the title of Lull, like I just always forget about this song. It's never one that I think about. All the chord changes are based on just where it is convenient to move your finger. <laughs> yeah, that's his Pablo Honey era songwriting. True. No, and so it doesn't have, musically, it's not that interesting. I, I also don't know if my appreciation of the song is due to the anticipation of what's coming. I know what songs are coming up, and I don't know how I'm going to do that on the guitar. And so it's nice to play It's nice song. to have a song where like you can it's play just, everything on. Like, it's just meant for the guitar. It is and meant for the guitar. I can like, else. you know, dig my teeth a bit into the picking pattern and that rundown and, you know, kind of play around with how, how fun it is it to play the chords because it is easy. And so then you have a little, little bit more freedom to see, OK, how many notes can I pick in these changes? That's nice. You know, that's yeah. just like it's a, as a guitar player, it's a fun song. And I like the melody and stuff enough that I can keep playing it to myself. Like, I'm not going to sit down and listen to this song. I think that's nope. a big distinction. That's a but I'm going to sit here and be you know, like, I'm <laughs> It doesn't even have sort of the same lovableness of like a Ben's era B-side. I don't know what it's missing. I think you're right that it is caught somewhere between Pablo Honey and the Ben's. It sounds weird coming after OK Computer, I will say. Yeah, it's, it doesn't seem like an OK Computer B-side. All right, well, let's move on. Then let's get to How I Made My Millions. Stronger. I was 
Speaking of a song that's hard to play on the guitar, did you even attempt to do this one on acoustic oh, yeah. guitar? Okay, let's hear no, it. No, I, I, oh, um, now you can put me on the spot. <laughs> you know, but it's like. <laughs> let's hear really, it then. It's really, it's really like. Nice. I like that. Good job. I didn't even attempt to do it on guitar, but I did do it on piano. Should I move to the piano real fast? Yeah, I'm I'm thrilled to. Okay. Let's see. Hold on one second. pretty good (laughs) yeah no that sounds great (laughs) this song is like exactly where my talent level is right now (laughs) no it's good i mean he yeah he's he's not at least at this point not a great piano player i know so i feel like i'm lucky because i'm learning with tom it's just the like three notes basically i took piano lessons when i was younger but that was a long time ago yeah how do you feel about this one i like it more than i feel like that i should it's, it's like such a slow kind of simple piano ballad and it's, you know, it's like hitting that high A. Yeah. Like high A, then A flat, like over again. But it works. I mean, it's kind of one of the aspects of Radiohead that I enjoy is songs like this. I'm right with you. I wasn't looking forward to learning this song. I don't think mm-hmm. I'd ever really spent much time with it, but I had a lot of fun playing it especially on piano. I thought it was very interesting and you can kind of see what he's doing. So he's doing his trick where he switches pedals. Yeah. The pedals when he gets to the D, I think that's what it is. Mm -hmm. It's really effective. You know, I'm glad that this is him and not the full band, but this reminds me of a Ben's B side, like almost like you never wash up after yourself. They catch a moment And this is probably as good as this song can be. Just having him do it by himself. It's really lovely. And I think I will be returning to this song. You know, you take Lull, for example, and it feels like Tom kind of knows the basics of the guitar and he's maybe getting a little bored. And this is a very simple song, How I Made My Millions, but you can tell he's finding playing it on piano fun. You point out rightly that he's using the same tricks, but it's because it's on the piano, it comes off differently. Like the transitions between those tricks are both more subtle, I imagine, on the piano, and they sound completely different. To go from that A5 to the D5, it's not as intuitive almost on the guitar as it is on the piano. I I, mean, I just love that like with the D5 to the, the second verse, where he's like... And then you wait for something else, and then it just doesn't come. I mean, it's like really wonderful. (laughs) It is really wonderful. 
this feels pretty cool. And it's just a nice B-side. Yeah, it's a great B-side. I, you know, I, I remember stumbling upon it you know, in the era of Napster and being like, this is what I'm here for. I like it more now. Uh, all right, let's move on. So now we're going to get into some B-sides that were not released during the time OK Computer came out. These were released on the OK Not OK 20th Anniversary Edition. And we're going to start with I Promise. I Promise was one of those songs that they premiered during the concerts that they did with Alanis Morissette. And the uh, record company got very excited, thinking they had some nice commercial songs to promote on their next album. And then neither of them appeared for 20 years. (laughs) And I have a feeling that you don't like this one. There is a thankfully large cohort of people that are really into Radiohead. There is probably, unfortunately, a larger cohort that doesn't think about them that much. And then there's like a small but not insignificant number of people who like actively dislike Radiohead, I think. Um, And I think if they were to hold up this song as exhibit A of like why you shouldn't be into this band, I don't know what counter argument I would have because this song is horrible. This song is horrible. Oh, it's so bad. Like, I remember when the OK Not OK came out. There's like a big promotion and they promoted it with a video for this song, right? And yep. it was like, no, I promise video. And I was like, I don't remember this song. Um, so I clicked on it, you know, and I think it was Pitchfork or something. And then they started playing this song. And I was like, what is happening? Like, you want to promote like one of my favorite albums of all time that like Uh I just identify with and you're going to have all this fanfare about this song this is the song that we're returning to the album with and I so I just sort of like I hate it on a musical level I hate it on like the promotional 20th anniversary thing I yeah I don't like this song (laughs) (laughs) let's see I don't hate it as much as you I mean I totally understand why they didn't include it on OK Computer. Why they got back to the studio and were like, oh, we can't do much with this. Because there's almost nothing here. There's this little riff, the... That's 95% of the song. Right. And then there's a B. <laughs> when, yeah, like just like in different forms of a B. Yeah. A B major, which is like the flip side of my favorite chord, a B minor. I just don't like the B major in general. If we're talking about chords that we have feelings about. Okay. I just don't like it. This a far superior chord. Hmm. I don't. Okay. Well, this is we're getting real deep here. Okay. Um, I like a good B chord every once in a while, but this one's tough because it doesn't really go any. It doesn't go any. It literally doesn't go anywhere. It's like the Radiohead equivalent of Little Drummer Boy. (laughs) 
the yeah the drum beat is not very interesting nothing about this song is interesting i mean like the the solo break with uh, i don't know what it is i did i didn't it's a mellotron it's got a mellotron right that johnny's playing i'm confused that it made it this far and they didn't tinker with it at all but maybe they didn't because they knew there wasn't much here i mean i remember reading the pitchfork review and them sort of showering praise on this saying that like if it had been released at the time it definitely would have been seen as like a step back but after all these years it sounds really beautiful and unexpected yeah i remember i read the review before i watched it i was like so excited i'm like oh i don't remember this song and for good reason I thought I liked this song a little bit. The first part is sort of interesting, not interesting, but it sounds exactly like it does on the record when you play it. And I was like, oh yeah, I got it. And then I got to the B and then I'm like, oh no, that's it. That's it. That's the whole song. I mean, 12 year old me would have been excited. How would 12 year old me would have been like, I've learned the whole song. (laughs) (laughs) Just repeat it and three times and then take a bow. Um, I, yeah, I don't think Phil's part works. The drummer boy part. I mean, I guess they didn't know what else to do. Uh, I'm so confused that they, they don't have to write every every song that they write doesn't have to be great. And they're not gods or something. My vitriol about this song is more about, yeah, this the Pitchfork review, this coming back, the 20th anniversary thing. Like, why this song? I don't hate it. Like, I think I like this song more than Lull, probably, but it doesn't hold up very well. It's not like a lost gem. It doesn't feel like a lost gem. Yeah, it's like a relic. A relic of another time. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's, let's move, move on, on or I'm just going to, like, say more bad things. What is confusing is that this doesn't sound like it was recorded then. This seems like it was recorded in, like, 2015 by the older band. And I'm going to bring this up for all three of these songs that were sort of the new songs on Okay, Not Okay. They don't sound like the old band. So I find that endlessly fascinating that they wouldn't just, A, release the old version, the one that everyone would want, and that they decided to record it again. What did they get this time that they felt like they didn't last time? Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Let's get to Lift. Okay, so Lift is the one song that had been considered this lost classic. Mm -hmm. People didn't really, they played I Promise, but it wasn't like people were like, my God, will you please release I Promise? Right. But Lift, on the other hand, was one of those songs that you wondered if it would show up on the next album, like Nude or Motion Picture Soundtrack or True Love Waits. It was held up to this mythical standard. Especially after True Love Waits landed on a moon-shaped pool, it was kind of like Lift was the only one. Lift was the big one left. Right. There might be lots of other songs that we just don't know about that are great, 
But Lyft was this one that they were playing in 96 and was getting a lot of attention from people in the audience. And this was the one song the record label probably would have picked as the lead single. And then they didn't even include it as a B-side. Yeah. <laughs> Learning how to play it, I, I kind of get why. Yep. This is almost like just three chords. I mean, it's basically one chord. My least favorite, not my least favorite, but the chord I don't let care for too much, B major. It is true. You, you're not a fan. I don't hate this song, but it's just that. It's like it's it would have been successful because a lot of music in the 90s was doing this where it's basically just, you know, don't ruin a song by giving it a real chord change. It fits into the, the like easy sort of a, adult alternative, but I still like it. Yeah, I like it too. To me, this sounds like an updated version of High and Dry. It's the same thing over and over and over and over again. They are able to give it a lot of drama, and Tom's voice is astonishing, and the Mellotron that Johnny plays in this one I think really works. I am very upset that they released the version they did on the OK Not OK album, which sounds like the older band. When you say older band, the band members that are older. I think that they re-recorded this song in the mid-teens to yeah. include for this album or maybe even a moonshape pool. That's the... I know, that's the scuttlebutt. That's the scuttlebutt that they recorded all these songs because uh, Moonshape Pool is, gonna, is their last album and they're never going to have another one. And so they were getting rid of all their old songs. But that's unproven as of yet. But, I mean, it is so lethargic. <laughs> yeah. And they obviously have a lot of skill but if you listen to the version that was recorded in like 96, 97, that was mm-hmm. released, that was never officially le- released, but was on the mini disc, you're like, oh, that's the song. And they basically nail it. It's so much better. I mean, and that's the, that's the version that I was hoping to all come out. I remember when this one came out and I'm like, oh yeah, it's not that good. And then all of a sudden someone's like, they leaked all the mini discs and someone wrote on Reddit or something. And I'm like, we have it. And then, <laughs> because it was yeah. all, it was all jumbled, the mini discs. It wasn't like, here's a bunch of songs. It was like, here's 10 hours worth of music and you need to dig through it to find it. And someone found two versions of Lyft that are just stunning and would have easily been A plus B sides. I mean, this doesn't fit at all on the main album. And I get why they just had to bury it because it would have gotten attention. And not in the attention that they didn't want. Correct. I think it would have gotten both the attention that they didn't want. And unlike songs like True Love Waits or Motion Picture Soundtrack, it wouldn't have been improved. Right. It wasn't like they didn't nail the arrangement. Like they nailed the arrangement, but the song is still what it is. But I do like it a lot. Here, Johnny's parts just make the song soar at Mm -hmm. the end. And Tom is at his like highest point it does that like background sort of like live. And that's like one of my favorite parts of the oh, song. Oh, when he's singing Ed. You know about the thing, right? Where he's just saying, Ed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love that part. I mean, like yeah, everything, yeah. everything about this song works. I even like the strings of the old version. It sounds very 90s. Oh, it sounds so 90s. But it sounds very 90s. In a way that I'm cool with. I kind of wish they would have found a way to release this in like 96, like yeah. in between the albums. 
because this would have been on the radio. Yeah, but... But it would have maybe taken the thunder out of OK Computer because it would have gotten people so excited for a type of sound that they had no interest in doing. Yeah, it, I think it would have muddied the waters too much for Paranoid Android. I mean, like, imagine you they release this as a kind of, like, albumless single that just floats around. Right. And then Paranoid Android comes out. And I think, like, if you had had this song predominantly on the airwaves and then as a conversation and then paranoid android comes out it's like nope we're not ready for this like what are you doing i've memorized lift let's just stay with that <laughs> yeah I, I mean i just like to point out sometimes it's awesome to be a radiohead fan because it feels like they really put as much effort as they can into things and then other times it's just infuriating because you wait 20 years and you find out that they had a re-recorded version of lift and they have no interest in ever officially releasing the good version of Lyft. And so they still are screwing with you 20 yeah. years on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have to keep us interested, you know. I guess so. But I will say learning it on guitar is not that much fun. No. But it's still like there's no middle eight. There's no contrasting section. So it feels like they took the lessons that they had from High and Dry and created this even more soaring song. But there's nowhere to go with this yeah. style. So they had to leave it. So I understand. I'm glad we have the mini disc version because I would have been pretty bummed otherwise. Yeah. All right. Let's move on, right? Yeah. 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 To the last one which is Man of War. I drift right along From ocean to ocean Search the whole Drunken confessions Hijack affairs Just To throw more fan theories out there, they may have recorded this one when they were trying to record a, a James Bond theme in the teens. And so they were coming back to this song and then they actually offered this song as, a, as an option and it was turned down because it was an older song. And so they recorded Scepter, which was also denied, which is a very good song. Yeah. We'll get there eventually. Yeah. But this is one of those that the first time I heard this song was on Meeting People is Easy. I think I spent like an entire afternoon, evening, maybe even next day looking for it online. Downloading illegal versions that ended up not being what it was on the Meeting People is Easy. I remember hearing, seeing it on the Meeting People is Easy and being like, oh man, that's going to be awesome when they finally release it. And then they never <laughs> did. And then they never did. And it was 20 years later. And then we get this version, and I don't really like this version. No. What did they do to these songs? I don't know. I was so excited when the OK Not OK came out, and I was mm. like, oh, we finally have these songs. I want the version that they tried to record with Nigel Godrich in 98. I mean, it's just, it's so much more raw, and Johnny's guitar part is like 100 times better. It's weird, than... man. I don't understand. Towards the middle of it, I feel a little suffocated. There's no air, I guess. I do like the song, and it has a great opening riff. That's really nice. They come dangerously close to Stairway to Heaven, but 
avoid. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I think they I think they make it their own enough, but I yeah. can see how you can do that. Yeah, the worms will come for you. <laughs> yeah, but and who then, are the big boots? Big boots? I don't know. I mean, army boots. I feel like it doesn't quite have the chorus it needs maybe. Yeah, and I think probably that's why it wasn't chosen for James Bond theme cuz like they like that sort of soaring chorus. You know, because it's not as though that they haven't picked other songs that are just sort of like dirges, basically. Like the latest one with Billie Eilish. Actually, that's not even out. That is a not a song that goes anywhere, but it has a bit of a soaring chorus that you can see in the opening credits. Yeah. Same with same with like the Adele one for Skyfall. They're wearing their admiration for Portishead too much on their sleeve with this one. <laughs> okay. And Portishead does not break out to soaring choruses. They don't do it, which is... Am- right. I love Portishead for it. We kind of talked about how exit music was a little campy in, like, mm-hmm. not a bad way, but in a sort of obvious, and I feel like this song needed that. If you think about Nobody Does It Better, which they were performing a lot live around this time, I mean, that's a great song, and they do a great version of it, too. Yeah. And I wish they had a little bit more of that in here. But I don't know where they would put it in. I guess instead of like the, yeah, the worms will come for you part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I like it. It's sort of in that sort of, it's in the same vein as Exit Music and The Trickster, where they're working with atmospherics. There's some sort of plot somewhere and you're not really sure what it is. And I like this, this sort of lyrical songwriting. This is not the best one of that vein. It's not my favorite no. one in this sort of trajectory, but um, I like it. Yeah. All right, well, let's say goodbye to that because now it's time for the OK Computer Awards. All right, so let's go through the awards first. So what should we start with? Let's start with the Creep Award, which is the best song that we think just happens to be the best begrudgingly or not. Yeah. Right. Which is like, I, I'm a bit self-conscious about this award because I listened to this podcast that's called Marlon and Jake Read Dead People, which is like Marlon James and his agent read books from dead people. And then like they talk about like their favorite and their second favorite and stuff like that. And they went in, they got into this issue of like the best one and your favorite one. Then he said that he got criticism from Nikolsi Arabice. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Nigerian author. She's like, this is just BS that men do where they say like, this is the best and this is my favorite because like you're afraid of your feelings and your intellect that you think is like so much better is wrapped up with the best, but we're going to do it anyways. I just, okay. <laughs> I just wanted to say. It's good to know the criticisms of every model. Yeah. So Creep, the best begrudgingly or not begrudgingly best song on the album. This killed me. This is really hard. I, I'm just going to go with Paranoid Android because it's like they took everything they had and threw it at this song. For some insane reason, it all works. It shouldn't work. It really shouldn't work. But we're talking about almost all of the tricks that we've learned throughout this these two seasons showing up in one song. We spent a whole episode talking about it, breaking down one song, and it, we, it took the whole time because there's that much packed into that one song begrudgingly, I have to admit, that's the best song. I had that one in my mind. 
But then I realized that as much as I love that song, with what we've been doing, learning all of the songs, I realized that, yeah, there are throwing a lot of things that we've learned before at this mm-hmm. song. And so I didn't ultimately choose it as the best one. I think the best song on this album is Let Down, just because they're throwing a different set of skills at that song, showing how they're having better production with Godrich, happy accident with like how the one guitar part is recorded as opposed to the rest of the song, the lyrics, the build of that song. As you said at the time, like that song gets better every 20 seconds. It's just heartbreaking in like a joyous and sad way at the same time. And it's it's just the best song. So the next is our favorite song. The uh, Blowout. What's yours? Mine is maybe predictable if you know me or listen to me. It's still climbing up the walls. <laughs> as simple as that song turned out to be. I mean, I loved recording that talk show host version of Climbing Up the Walls. And like in, in yeah. doing that, I was like, nope, this is still my favorite. I don't care if it's three chords looping on each other. I thought I beat it out of you. I thought I finally won. And here you are picking it as your favorite. <laughs> Sorry. I, I like the song more than I used to, though I do think it's more of a soundscape kind of thing, which yep. is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, um, so mine is is let down, and that's why I didn't pick it for the best, if only because I want to talk about more songs. But, you know, for probably 10 years now, I've loved this song the most after it sort of creeped above, uh, uh, pun intended, of uh, Karma Police, which I still really love. But uh, Let Down is the one that I can return to anytime and something new strikes me. I still don't understand it. It still doesn't make sense to me, even though it is based on such a simple skeleton. I mean, it's so beautiful, so genuinely awe-inspiringly beautiful and terrifying at the same time. It is the best song, probably, and I I feel terrible now that you brought up, because I was going back and forth whether I should say it was the best or not, but that's why I tried to get you to go first. Um, (laughs) But I mean, I I will stand by that. You can effectively explain why Paranoid Android is a great song, and it's slightly harder for Let Down, but I love Let Down. I think that is the exact criticism that Adebiche is leveling. Just because you can break down how good Paranoid Android it does not make it a better song than Let Down. That's true. I mean, I think about this a lot because uh, everything is so subjective with art and criticism. I write a lot of food criticism and how do you explain the differences. And usually there is an example of when you can identify effort in mm-hmm. the amount of effort that goes into something. If you like something... And then you can see how much effort went into it. That helps explain maybe why you like it. But it doesn't explain if something has a lot of effort dumped into it and you don't like it, if that makes sense. No, I mean, that makes total sense. (laughs) My references are just completely preposterous. But I mean, (laughs) you know, because I'm a Latin person, you know, and so like you have after like the golden age of Latin poetry, like which is around Augustus, where you have Virgil and Ovid and stuff like the only way that people thought later poets thought that they could compete was to have this, what they called this bejeweled style, where they just packed as many like exercises and references and like lines and lines and lines of like description after description that just showed like how much effort they were putting yeah. into it. And like basically saying like, you have to like this poem because I put a lot of effort into it and because I've referenced every single thing that's been written up until right. this point. 
but they're trash. Right. They're just, they're overwrought and impossible and. Right. I mean, like Virgil writes a poem about farming and it's just beautiful and you don't really know why. No, I think, I think these are great things to talk about because it's not simple. And this tortured me all week. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think we need to move on to the I Can't Award. The I Can't Believe How Good This Song Is. It's your turn to go first uh, again. It's like, I want to know what you're going to say. I'm going to go with The Tourist. This is a song that I liked. And I just thought I liked it because it was pretty or an emotional. But when you break it down on guitar, you're like, oh, my gosh, they're doing this. You know, they're, they're changing keys, but there's only like three or four chords. And, and mm-hmm. so there's that simplicity of it all. And it is so mesmerizing. And then they have the time signature change and the guitar tuning is changed. And yet the song is so mm-hmm. simple. It's a way that they are using their knowledge, but then stripping it down to the bone and playing it on guitar is just beautiful. I don't do it as much as I should because I just don't want to tune my guitar (laughs) every time. Okay, I like that pick. I cheated. Oh, no. What'd you do? I declared a tie. Oh, man. I'm sorry, I couldn't do it. Okay, then what it is? What is it? The tie is No Surprises and Subterranean Homesick Alien. Just because, like, in my memory, both of these songs were quite simple, but they're just unbelievable. They're, especially Subterranean Homesick Alien, I was just so surprised at how much I enjoyed playing that song and how complex it sounds, even though there's not that much going on in it. And the same thing with No Surprises. I mean, like, it's all these chords that you've had before, and... It just works. And I can't believe how well both those songs work and how well they hold up. I mean, over 20 years later shows just how much songs like I Promise don't hold up. They're they're timeless. Like the album is, for the most part, not a dated album. Right. And those songs are especially not dated, even though they almost should be. Subterranean Homesick Alien would have been a tie if I knew we could do ties, but um, <laughs> I, I've loved No Surprises since the first time I heard it. So it's like stayed the same, but it's been up here. But I was amazed that learning to play it meant it stayed at that exact same moment. Um, but Subterranean Homesick Alien uh, shows you what the band can do. This is a great example of what they're going to do later, where they are going to abandon they're sort of distinctive instruments and yet still sound like Radiohead. So, sorry I cheated. No, it's fine. It's all right. So we have one more, which is the uh, the best B-side. Yeah. Oh, this was tough. It is tough. Mainly because I don't like these B-sides. Yeah, isn't that so weird? Well, it's just like the Ben's B-sides were ones that were going beyond what they did with the Ben's album. As good as that album is, even the B-sides on the Meyer Iron Lung EP, songs like Trickster or How Can You Be Sure, Talk Show Host. It's showing a different side to the band. Like with those B-sides, I feel like, okay, we're not this band yet, but this is the band that we want to be. So this is a band that like we could be and we're trying to figure it out. Whereas like, OK Computer, because they had so much control over it, as opposed to the bands, they're like, nope, this is the band that we are. And these are the songs that didn't make it. Yeah. But would you have thought about that before we did this project? Not at all. 
right? I would have said that I loved the OK Computer B-sides before we started this whole project. And I like the Ben's era B-sides a lot more. So much more. I mean, because I was so excited to prepare for these last two episodes, and then I was not so excited. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it hasn't hasn't been much fun. I've been wanting to just kind of knock these out because it's not been... I mean, I had so much fun with all of the OK Computer songs on the album, and then we got to the B-sides, and it felt like it went... Well, no, I mean, like, when I sit down and when I've been sitting down and learning these songs, I kind of, like, I played through them, played along with the recording, and then, okay, I'm going to play something from OK Computer now, because, well, they get you so much more fun, like any of <laughs> yeah. the songs. Like, just pick any of the songs on the album, and they're just much better. So it was just hard. There was not an abundance of riches for this award. No. Okay, but now you got to make a choice. Um, I'm just, and I'm going to go with Palo Alto. It's just a fun song. I feel like we had a really cool discussion about it last time. I like that it seems like this through line that was threading the bins to the OK computer, and then they just cut it. And I like that idea. I'm going to do an Austin and say, I'm going to give you two options here. (laughs) Okay. Just to get back at you. I'd say if they had released the original version of Lyft, that would be mine. Not this version, <laughs> but the Lyft version on the mini discs is pretty spectacular. Barring that, I, I would say Palo Alto because it's honestly fun, which is not anything you would say about these B-sides. And it's very catchy. The lyrics actually hold up really well. Like they match the song, the sort of ironic detachment of the song. Everything's okay but you know things really aren't okay. Right. (laughs) Without any ever having direct evidence that it's not. It's like like what every writer wants to be able to do and often doesn't. Yeah, there's no winking, I guess. It's just, but you know that things are screwed up. Yeah, because even the music doesn't give you a hint. They produced it well. It's not that much fun to play on guitar. There's not much going on. But I think that Lyft would have, if they had released the original Lyft version, it would have fit extremely well on the Airbag EP. Oh, wait, I have, I have my, you have to answer some questions. Okay, let's do it. So, because this is a guitar-oriented podcast, I had some guitar-oriented yeah. awards that I wanted you to, just off the top of your head. Favorite song to learn on the guitar? The whole, from Pablo Honey till now. I would have to say Paranoid Android. I loved learning that that song because I I had known about it for so long and I thought I knew how to play it and I didn't. Mm -hmm. And so I still play it all the time. It's hard to play well. And then, so when you practice it a lot, it's really fun. Yeah. So, and then I I just have two more. The most painstaking song to learn on the guitar. Uh, So far, of all the songs. Of all the songs. Street Spirit's the one that I I just had to work the hardest and I didn't want to work that hard. On. Yep. <laughs> that's that's the point of the question. Okay. And the one where learning it on the guitar really sort of brought down your estimation of the song. Mm. Street Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, Street Spirit, I, I, I didn't have any issue with the song, uh, the OK Computer album, like I did for the Benz, where my opinion of Street Spirit was knocked down a few levels. What about you? 
Favorite one to learn on the guitar was My Iron Lung. That's just a really fun one that, like, I love that riff, and then I love, like, just playing through the whole song, messing around with the chords and, like, what I can do with the chords. I mean, because they have so much going on that, like, when you play it by yourself, you can hit different spots. Painstaking was also Street Spirit, just because I wanted to nail it and then work on it so much I just couldn't even hear it anymore. The one that just learning it maybe took down my estimation of the song was almost... Climbing up the walls because it was so easy. But I pulled myself out, saved myself. Why would you do that? Because, because it's... <laughs> <laughs> so then I would have to say high and dry. Initially it was like fun and then like, nope, this is, I've, I've got this and now it's over. Huh. Okay. So that's it. That's it. All right. Okay. So we finished up the awards. Um, so now how do you feel about OK Computer in general? It's funny. The album, I... Like, just as much as I did, if not, in some ways more. The era, like, if you take into account the B-sides, I'm, like, a bit shaky about. I'm in the same spot. All the songs on the album either held up or were even better than I remembered. And Mm -hmm. that's amazing because I already loved OK Computer. So for it to have no disappointments on the album is astonishing. Mm -hmm. But the B-sides did not do well. No. I do think that's because we're not seeing the whole pile. They're holding on to the good ones that they know will be able to turn into something better on an official album release, except for these three relics. (laughs) Because the things that they held on to, we have Life in a Glass House, We have Motion Picture Soundtrack, The National Anthem, Mm -hmm. Nude, and True Love Waits. So if you can imagine, if they had just released those, it would have been a different story. But then they wouldn't have been as good. So I guess we're going to have to just... Well, we can talk about if they were better. We'll get to them. When we get to the individual songs, we'll do that. And we will next season, because next season we're going to break down Kid A... And amnesiac. Ooh. I feel like you can't separate them. No, we can't like, do it. Even though that's so, like a well, that's like an enormous amount of songs. It's an end. enormous amount of songs. So there's two albums and then a number of B sides, and it's gonna take a long time. <laughs> yeah. So enjoy this season, everyone. <laughs> yeah, because there might yeah it might be a couple years before the next one comes out, but we're gonna try. All the songs on the Anyone Can Play Guitar podcast are by Radiohead and performed by Nick Kendallsperger and Austin Diaz. Mm-hmm.